everyone, Shana here, welcoming you to another episode of Worthy Asian, a safe space to talk about generational trauma, Asian parenting styles, and finding our way to healing and knowing our worth. This week, we're going to talk about how the long-term effects of trauma can manifest as health issues. We talked a little before about how to notice our trauma within our behaviors. And now here are some ways we can try and figure out how trauma can show up in our body. When we try to suppress our feelings and emotions, we think or hope they go away, but they don't. They leak into other aspects of our lives and slowly damage us. Fatigue, anxiety, depression, anger management issues. Big, heavy things that get in the way of our living and doing all the ordinary things of our daily lives. And these big, heavy things, like I said before, are harder to understand because they are not physical things. And as a mental health nurse, I don't downplay these at all, and I will talk about them further. But maybe it'll be easier to start if we start with physical things and physical diagnoses. It is common to believe that mental health problems are not real problems. I still hear that a lot, and not just from Asian people, though we definitely have that ingrained in our culture. It's easier to understand the physical world. You fall, you hurt your leg. It makes sense. But maybe this example is too simple and too acute because our emotional suppression is more long-term. And so maybe a different example would be better. As a nurse, I automatically think of bed sores. In the nursing world, we are taught how extremely important it is to rotate or change positions of a bed-bound client at least every two hours. Or else, over time, an open sore would form and they are notoriously known to be difficult to heal and lead to serious matter-of-life-and-death infections. So again, in our minds, I think, this physical cause and effect makes sense. But let's see if we can change this mindset and think about it this way. These sores happen because the weight and pressure of our stagnant bodies block blood flow, block oxygen to parts of our bodies. If we can try to imagine that same heaviness for our stagnant and suppressed emotions, maybe we can better understand how their weight and their ability to block what our body needs can cause our bodies harm and damage. It is common for someone to tell someone with anxiety or depression to just get over it, or fatigue to just get some sleep, but you would hardly say that to someone with an open physical wound. And so with this mindset, it is harder still to believe that suppressed emotions can lead to physical things like migraines, back pain, or even more serious things like cancer. I too struggle with believing that it causes these big things like cancer. And there are some people who believe that you can cure cancer just by healing your traumas. My belief may not go as far as that, but I believe that trauma weakens our body, that it damages us in ways we may never comprehend, and makes us more susceptible to things like cancer. 
Though I fully believe in the power of the inner work needed to resolve trauma within us and the power it has to heal our minds and our bodies, I still also believe in the medical conventional world. And that just might be the nursing side of me. And there is no right or wrong in this matter. Anyway, I think we're getting a little off tangent there. So I'm going to bring it back to how some of us might need to figure out how trauma shows up physically in our body before we can have our aha light bulb moments. So I had my aha moments for my migraines and GERD, also known as gastroesophageal reflux disease or acid reflux. It's like heartburn, but chronic. So for my migraines, I started experiencing these piercing, high pressure, behind the eyes headaches around 12 years old. And I had them pretty much weekly. I'd wake up feeling like a vampire because the light hurt me and my head hurt so much I felt nauseous. But you just chalked it up to stress or poor sleep. And I didn't really do anything for it besides maybe take some Advil every now and then. My GERD started in high school. So I think that's like what 14 or 15 years old. For those who are unfamiliar with GERD, It's when your stomach acid pushes up from your stomach and leaks into your throat and can even go all the way up to disturb your nasal passages. The acid buildup is really uncomfortable. You have a burning sensation. You get really congested. And truthfully, I would not wish it on my worst enemy. Anyway, for me, it started with a cough that just wouldn't go away. And I always felt like something was in my throat that I needed to clear, hence why I was always coughing. And lying down made it so much worse. I felt like I was choking and I would have coughing fits that were uncontrollable. And I started to even have trouble breathing. I needed to take medication every day, which barely helped and did nothing. I also started needing an inhaler. It really, really sucked. It really impacted my daily living because I was uncomfortable all the time and I had to watch what I ate and I had to sleep sitting up. It was just awful. But I am happy to report that I don't experience it as an everyday thing anymore. Thank heavens. So what changed? I started university, nursing school. And I don't remember what fight was the last straw that finally broke my camel's back, but I realized I needed to leave my family home. If I was going to survive, I needed to leave right now. It was killing me. I had been working part-time since I was 12. I had a good amount of savings, and I luckily had one of my best friends who was ready, willing, and able to move out with me. My biggest fear was how would my parents react and would they even be my reference for a rental place at this point? (sighs) But luckily, I got it. I got my freedom. And perhaps, you know, they knew it was time as well and they needed a break from me as much as I needed a break from them. And let me tell you, oh my goodness, it was glorious. I had control of my environment, what I did, who I saw, Man, what a feeling. And, you know, maybe that's also when I hit 
a little bit of my rebellious phase because suddenly I had all this freedom at my fingertips and maybe, you know, I went a little bit wild and visited a nightclub every weekend, but you know, I was finally living my life and it felt really good. Anyways, I kid you not, after a year of being on my own, I hardly experienced migraines and GERD. And this happened without much change in my behaviors in regards to sleep or stress level. Because life in university and balancing work and bills is stressful. And I was stressed and I was not sleeping well because I was staying up late to study or party. So uh, I definitely wouldn't say that it was because I was sleeping better or that my stress level went down that these physical symptoms went away. I do still experience them every now and then. So like my migraines, you know, they're more quote unquote normal and that they only happen if I actually have a week of pulling all-nighters or I'm super dehydrated or there's a change in weather. And then for my acid reflux, it only happens during times of acute stress. It's actually how I know I'm stressed now because sometimes mentally I think I'm handling a situation. But once my acid reflux kicks in, and that's my body saying, uh, no, actually, you're not handling this very well. And now looking back, the only really big difference was that I was away from my family. And I didn't really have this full aha moment about it until the end of 2021. I had flown back to Canada from Scotland for Christmas And without getting too into it, this episode, because it's a whole other thing, um, crap hit the fan and my acid reflux exploded. And it was one of my worst episodes I've ever had. I was popping Gaviscon like three times a day with no relief. But the day after I left, it was gone. Just gone. I stopped Coughing, I stopped feeling uncomfortable. It was gone. And that just made me think, like, oh, like, isn't that interesting? That the moment I'm away from this major stressor in my life, these physical things in my body have disappeared. Isn't that interesting? I have another story to share about my friend, with her permission, of course. My friend had chronic joint pain for a decade when it started to turn into episodes of full body paralysis. She had days that ranged from jaw tightness or weak hands to full body collapses, inability to speak, open her eyes, and sometimes trouble breathing that would lead to visits in the emergency room. These Episodes became so frequent that she had to stop driving, get a medical alert bracelet, and even a wheelchair. She had to learn real fast what her triggers were. And they were simple things like humidity, being startled, stress. So you can imagine how often and unpredictable her episodes could be, especially being a mom of four kids. Her and her family's life were significantly impacted. 
But let me tell you, this did not stop her from being one of the strongest women I know because she never let it slow her down. She found ways to solve her problems and make it work and continued fighting to find answers for what was going on for her. Not only was she trying to manage and understand her paralysis in her home life, now she had to find a doctor and medical team that could help her. And this is no easy feat. She had a really hard time finding people that understood or even believed what was happening in her body. And finally, she got a diagnosis of periodic paralysis, or PP. It's a rare genetic disease. And though this diagnosis made some sense to her, as she had some family members with similar but milder symptoms, she felt it didn't quite fit her situation completely. And the treatment for it did not do much for her. And plus, with it being a genetic disease, she had to worry about her children having a 50% chance of inheriting it. She had this weighing on her for two years before she landed with COVID and got put in a hospital and had a medical team focused on her. And through this process of getting COVID and being in the hospital, she got in touch with a neurology team and they put her through a series of tests that actually proved what she suspected, that she did not have PP. She got a new diagnosis of Functional Neurological Disorder, FND. And FND often develops due to childhood traumas and stress. And unfortunately, this was true for my friend and her history. The silver lining here is that since it is not genetic, there is some relief. There is the power and knowledge to know she can be and is a cycle breaker. And her trauma does not have to be true for her children. And her children need not be affected. Treatment for FND includes physical therapy and cognitive behavioral therapy, CBT. So it is about working hard with a psychology team to start a journey of exploring her trauma, learning new coping skills, and changing how her mind thinks and handles her current life. This is very different treatment from PP, periodic paralysis, which was her previous diagnosis, which the main course of treatment was just increasing her potassium levels in hopes that this would help her muscles be less weak. So this is what I'm saying about suppressing trauma and emotions. If we don't deal with them, they just come back to hurt us in a different way. They don't go away. And even when we figure out how it shows up physically in our body, that it doesn't mean that these physical symptoms also go away once we've worked on our trauma, because they have become chronic as well. So things like acid reflux, like that doesn't just go away. Like I have will probably be dealing with that for the rest of my life. But now that I know where it's rooted from and what my triggers are, there are things that I can do to increase my quality of life and lessen the effects and symptoms that I experience. But it will always be a part of me. So what can you think of right now that perhaps is your body's way of telling you it is holding on to trauma? Are you a tense person? 
Is a part of your body always clenched in some way? Do you hold your breath? Do you have chronic pain? Like for me, my shoulders and my upper back have always been tight in tense areas. And I always get comments about it when I go see a massage therapist or anything like that. And I always just thought, oh, like it's because I have bad posture, because I hunch, I don't sit up straight. And definitely those are contributing factors. But, you know, even when I'm not hunching over a computer, I am tight and I am tense in those areas all the time. So what is my body saying? It Could it be more than just having bad posture? So I think we should try and think about where we feel uncomfortable in our body and ask ourselves, what do I notice? When did these start happening? When do they feel worse or when do they feel better? Is there a common pattern involved? And maybe you can link some things together and have an aha moment. And if you are already answering yes and you know how your body's holding on to trauma, you might be asking, what can I do? How do I start working on this? Though the answers may sound humble and simple, simple does not mean easy. I mean, it's why the majority of us struggle and don't do the things we know we ought to. Because it's nothing new or revolutionary. We know to have a healthy body physically, we need to have a balanced nutritional diet. We need to be adequately hydrated. We need enough sleep. We need to be active and move our bodies. But something is getting in our way of actually doing it. And that will be the same for, you know, having a healthy mind and well-being. To have a healthy mind and healthy well-being, we need to practice mindfulness, allowing ourselves to really rest, slow down, learn about self-care habits that uplift us, have gratitude and positive thinking. These, again, are things that sound simple, that we know about, but again, very hard to do. The good thing about these things are that they are mostly available to us. These are things we can do ourselves in the comfort of our own homes that don't necessarily need a lot of time or money. And so some of you might be thinking, well, I don't even know what mindfulness or self-care means. Don't worry, we'll dive into that world in this space as well. One more thing I want to quickly talk about before we end is just because you don't see how trauma affects you physically, it doesn't mean it hasn't actually done some physical damage or change in your body. The fact is people with trauma often have a larger amygdala, which is the part of our brain that manages memories and emotions. Our experiences in the past and current triggers stimulate the amygdala over and over, And we relive the pain, fear, panic, and the overactivity causes it to enlarge. And ultimately, when the amygdala is larger, it makes it harder for us to regulate or express our emotions. We can be more sensitive or hypervigilant. It can impair our decision making. There is a physical reason we experience these emotional things. The good news is that we can change this. 
much like how our past and current reactions have changed our brain physically by working on calming the storm within us, learning how to manage our anxiety or thought distortions. By changing how we react to our triggers, we can change our brain again. For a lot of us, we felt out of control or had a loss of control. Our parents had all the power and we were reliant on them. But we are adults now and we don't have to live like that anymore. The behaviors, habits, beliefs that kept us safe when we were young are not the ones we need as adults now. They don't help us now, and we do have the ability, power, and control to change and find new habits that do serve us. So I hope you find some time this week to just reflect and think about your body and how it feels and what it might be trying to tell you. And perhaps you can link some things together and have your aha moment so that you can start your journey in healing these traumas and lessening the toll that it takes on your body. As always, thank you for sharing your time with me. I would love to connect with you on Instagram at Worthy Asian Podcast to hear any questions, ideas, or stories you have. And if you'd like a space to be able to share, receive, or give support, please join and help build our community in the Worthy Asian Facebook group. If you found this podcast helpful, please subscribe, share, or leave a review so more people can find us. I'll be back next Monday. So until then, take care, talk soon, and much love from a fellow Worthy Asian.